If you've been gone for a while, welcome back. We've been in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. I'm going to tell you something. If you've been gone for a while, we've just been going through the blueprint for God's church. We've been going through the blueprint for what it looks like. Going back to the essentials of what he gave us. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. Go with me here if you want. If you've got, you got a Bible, get one. Get it open. Open up your app, whatever you're looking in today. Open up here, Hebrews 6. If you don't have a Bible, we've always got free ones out here on the table. We want to get people the Word of God. This is the most important thing you can have. This is the most important book you can open up. I saw a little girl come in today, and she was carrying her Action Bible. If you haven't seen that, it's awesome. It's like a comic book for kids. And she was just walking and reading the whole time. She had, it, it's a beautiful book. Like, it's amazing. Like, the artwork, everything. It's like, that's what we want to see. We want to see people so enveloped by the Word of God, they can't put it down. They're just enamored with who he is and the stories of who he is and how they come to life and come out of these pages. Hebrews 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. This verse convicted me months ago, and it's been on my heart to go back to the fundamentals for a while now. So that's what we've been doing. If you've been missing out, you can go back. You can watch on YouTube. You can listen on podcasts, whatever you want. But for the church, like we gather together every week because that's what his word says. In fact, in Hebrews, it says, don't give up gathering together. That's why Satan, he loved 2020 when the churches shut down and people just kind of sat at home and people stopped gathering together. And so we've said as a church from the very beginning, the next time that somebody tries to shut down the church, we won't listen. We won't because we're going to listen to what his word says. And his word says, don't stop gathering. And so we put his word on a higher authority than any governmental authority. And so we honor authority that's placed because all authority comes from God. But if that authority abuses the placement that they've been given by God and they go against God's word, guess what? We honor God's word before we honor the government's word. That's how it works as believers. And so for us, we won't stop gathering. We'll keep gathering. We won't miss time together. In fact, now what are we doing? We're adding more time together throughout the week. Because that's what it said about the early church. That was the blueprint. It says they gathered together every night. I remember early on in ministry, I was a youth pastor at a church, and I did Sunday night youth group for high school. I did Wednesday night uh, for middle school youth group, and, and that was kind of it. Those were the two nights of the week. I was out. I was doing ministry. My wife was doing ministry with me, and I, I said, man, I can't imagine doing another night. And now recently, when we started this prayer night on Tuesdays, and now we've got small groups kicking off. We've got all these things going on, and we've got all these different nights of the week. And I told my wife, I, I said, at one point in my life, I would have dreaded, like, more nights of the week. 
But now I just, I, I look forward to every moment because now all of a sudden, when you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, when you're trying to walk and listen to his voice in your life, you crave more and more of him. And when you gather together with his people, there's more and more of him to experience. And that's what's happening. I'm seeing it. In fact, we keep hearing testimonies of people who keep taking time out of their week, things that they had scheduled or things that they had planned to go to Tuesday night prayer. Tuesday night prayer, it just meets right here on campus. In fact, now it meets in the same building across from the gym that our kids' ministry meets in on Sundays. Tuesday night prayer, 6.30. I keep hearing testimonies of people that just say, I want to try it. I want to go see what's going on. And every time, the Holy Spirit meets them in that place. Because there's something special that occurs when you make a sacrifice to spend time with him. When you set aside time that you had set aside for yourself and you say, no, 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 I'm going to give it to him, there's something special that occurs. And he honors that sacrifice and he shows up and he is meeting people in that place. I was just talking to a lady from our church today who said she went last Tuesday and she's been filled with the Holy Spirit ever since in a fresh way. In fact, she told me she keeps waking up in the middle of the night just praise songs running through her head, worship songs running through her head about the goodness of God. It is awesome, yeah. It's sweet. God is meeting people. He is still moving and active. This isn't just some dried out old religious thing that we do just so, oh man, I, I want to kind of check the boxes and make sure, like just in case, like I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I don't know about heaven or hell. I'm not sure, but I just want to check a box and I want to be religious. I want to do all the things. I just want to go to church. No, no, that's not what we're doing here. We're chasing after the presence of God. We want more and more of him. We want to go to that next level because we just thought, oh, salvation, that's all I need. Now I can go live life how I want and do what I want, when I want, and I know in the end, like, I'll be okay. Jesus wants more of you than just that. He wants to give you life to the full right now, but that means laying down life of the world while you're here. You you can chase after the world or you can chase after his word. That's as simple as it is. That's the blueprint. And so we keep going back to the blueprint. In fact, when it comes to the world, think about this. Some of us, we're okay coming to church once every six weeks, right? Like, like that's kind of like become the average. Maybe once every six weeks, once a month. That's kind of the, the national average right now for people. If you're doing really good, you're coming twice a month. Your new show, like your Apple show or your whatever, like, I mean, whatever show is popular right now, I don't know, The Bachelor, did that start up again? Something like that. I mean, I don't know what it is. Your, your new show, can you imagine, like, you're following along on this show, uh, like Breaking Bad or I don't know, whatever's popular. I don't know, that's like decades ago. I don't know what's popular now, okay? I'm missing out. What's a popular TV show? Nothing. Okay, great. <laughs> you can interact with me, guys, all right? All right, whatever that popular show is, can you imagine, like, you just tune in, like, once every six weeks, like, like, can you just imagine you pop in on, like, Breaking Bad or 24? I don't know. That's Man, I'm going even further back in time. Why do I keep going back? CSI? <laughs> CSI Miami? I did used to watch that with my mom. <laughs> can you imagine just, like, once every six weeks popping in on that show, and you just expect to just pop in and just, like, get caught up again, and it's like, no, 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 you missed five episodes of character development, and you missed five episodes of of background and backstory. You missed everything. 
And you think you could just pop in once every six weeks and just like catch right up? And that's what we do with God's word. And that's what we do with the church. And that's what we do with our meetings and gatherings. And so I'm telling you now, for the rest of this fall, just make a commitment. Say, hey, for one fall, for this, for this what do we got left? Uh, October, November, December, three months. For three months, let's just commit to meeting regularly and being part of the church and seeing what God has for me. Because I promise you, if you've been in and out these last three, four months, that's okay, but you missed something that God had specifically for you. You missed a word. That's what his word is. It's specific. It's for us. It comes at just the right time, just the right place. And so when we're looking at these other things and we're putting them into a place of priority in our life, and we're saying, well, I need to do this, or this is more important today, it just starts to snowball. And before you know it, it's been six, seven, eight weeks, and you've been away from the word. You've been away from his people, and you think you can just jump back in where you were, and it's like, no, 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 you missed something that he had for you. But guess what? Today, he's got something for you, and it's going to change your life. Don't miss what he's got for you. So these six things... They're so vital. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is that they should be set in stone. They should be foundational for us. For me, though, I I kept thinking, like, even before these teachings, we talked about repentance last week. There's something that kept hitting me. And there's something that we've been missing. But part of it was, from the very beginning of this church, I would describe this church in a way where my old life of ministry, what I thought was important, what I thought really mattered, what I built my ministry on, I had Christ as the cornerstone, but everything I built around the cornerstone, I mean, he's a firm foundation. Like, I started with the right cornerstone in my ministry days early on. But everything I built around him about what was important, what was priority, in my ministry, I would say I was building around this cornerstone with a house of cards. Because about two and a half years ago, when that old way of ministry got torn out from under me and I thought it was the worst thing, it ended up being the best thing. It was like he just blew on the house of cards I've been building and everything fell down and all that was left was Christ. And so I leaned on Christ and he said, build again. And so I started building again and what I thought I was doing, I thought I was building with stone again. I thought, no, 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 I'm going to start with the cornerstone. I'm going to start with Jesus, and I'm going to build, and this time it's going to be firm, and it's going to be lasting. But recently, as I started reading through this Hebrews passage, and he's been convicting me and showing me things, and he said, you built better this time, but instead of using cards, you used toothpicks. That's really what it was. Like, he hit me with that this week. Instead of using a deck of cards, this time you use toothpicks. And, you know, you can take marshmallows and you can make a little toothpick house. And you can, you can build it, but is it a firm foundation? Is that a house you want to live in the rest of your life? Is that a house that's going to last? No. And so in this season, as we've, as we've been going through Blueprint, it's like he just blew and the wind blew again and knocked over my toothpicks I'd been building. He said, do it again. And so we're going back and we're setting these principles back, all of them in stone. 
Because there's things early on that he was showing us and he was revealing to us as a church, but there were still some things that I was a, I was a little, I'll be honest with you, I was a little fearful. I was a little worried. I, I wasn't sure about some of these things because the background I came from, the, the life I came from before in ministry, we weren't comfortable with some of these things. And so we kind of strayed away from them and we didn't touch on them and we just stuck with the cornerstone because that was who we knew. But we were missing out on some of the essential pieces of building the way he wants to build his church. So now in this season, I'm believing that we're building with the stones he wants. And I'm believing that we've been in this season where the people who have stayed, because we know, there's some of you in here, you know, you can look around and you can see like empty seats and you can see, man, there's people that aren't here that should be here. They were with us when we were building before, but all of a sudden in this new season, they kind of said, mm, I'm going to take some time off. I'll come back when I'm ready. I'll come back when it's convenient. I'll come back when it's easy. I'll come back when it's right. And I believe what's happening, it's been a refining season for our church. And I believe it's been a spirit-filling season for those who stayed. And for those who stayed, he's building up his church, and he's going to use you in a unique way. He's going to use you in a way, just like the church in Acts, where he's going to fill you up and empower you to go out and do what was done before. We're going to see a movement of the Holy Spirit in our church and in our world again. It's already starting to happen in places. In the Midwest, it's been slower to take place here. Because in the Midwest, we like our religion nice and clean in a box and understandable. And the Holy Spirit is not always understandable. The Holy Spirit does not always make sense to our logical minds. There's things he asks us to do that will not make sense. Some of you, you were with us when we were talking about sowing seed. And what we did, it didn't make sense to a lot of people. But in the Bible and in the Spirit, it made sense. Because we're a spirit and word church. We go by both and we put them together and we listen to what he has to say to us. And it didn't make sense as a church to sow a seed of $10,000 into another church when we're a church without a building. But I'm telling you, that seed, there's something, there's something happening under the surface. There's something happening. When you sow a seed, you expect to see the harvest right away. You're like, God, God I gave. I, I gave the seed. And you want it right away, but you got to wait. And you got to water it in prayer. That's what's happening on Tuesday nights. We're beginning to water seeds that have been prayed and planted and sown in this church. And so now we're starting to see them blossom within the church. We're starting to see his spirit break out and move. Because now all of a sudden we're watering the seeds that we've planted, the seeds that we've sown by faith. And we're going to start to see more and more of what's going to bloom and come out of it. There's going to be a harvest coming. And when you stay faithful and you wait, because he brings the growth, you're going to be a part of reaping that harvest. Now, there's going to be others that have left and they've gone and they've gone and chased after things that they said, mm, this, maybe this isn't for me. And that's okay, because guess what? They're going to come back. Because they're going to hear about what's going on here and how the Holy Spirit is moving and working. And they're going to want that for their lives. And we're going to welcome people back. 
We're going to be excited when they come running back. We're going to be so excited because we know God has something for them. God has something for this entire church. But I do believe that there's double honor for those who have stayed and stayed faithful in a season where the seed was sown and we didn't always see what we wanted to see as fast as we wanted to see it. But he's bringing the growth in this season. So now we're going back even further. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples, they left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. They saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them still doubted. Doubt is normal. That's okay. They literally saw the resurrected Christ, and they still doubted. Jesus came, and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Teach them. Go and make disciples. That's at the very core of the calling of the church. And there's some of us in here, we, we kind of like the small church. We kinda, we're comfortable with it. We know everyone. We know everybody's name. And we think, oh, this is nice. This is easy. The point of the church is to go and make disciples. At the very cornerstone, what did he say? He is the cornerstone. What did he say? Go and make You've been freed, you've been delivered, you've been healed. Why wouldn't you go and share that with somebody else? What you've received in this season, what you've received, go and give freely. That's what people are doing right now in this season of the church. There's people that have been freed, they've been delivered, they've found healing, and now they're starting to go and they're starting to make and share what they've been given. That's the point. That's what the cornerstone said to do. So now we start a building season, and we start a sharing season. Acts 2, 37 through 40, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him, to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a gift. Jesus said, it's better if I go so he can come. So you can now have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead living within you. This promise, it's a promise. God's a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation repentance, this message that is at the cornerstone, that's one of these six pillars that we talk about in Hebrews. Repentance is the birth canal through which people enter the kingdom of God. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again in John chapter three to change your mind, to have your mind transformed. That's what repentance is. You don't need to go around just yelling, repent, repent at people. Have a conversation. Tell them how you've been transformed and tell them how he wants to transform their life. Tell them what he wants to do, that with his word, 
that there is a powerful transforming and renewing of the minds that takes place. It is supernatural. You can be born again. So whatever you are stuck in, you don't have to live in the rest of your life. Whatever you are chained to, he wants to free you from. That's what people are finding. Before, when we were just building with the house of cards, or we were just building with toothpicks, sometimes all we really knew how to tell people was, well, just get saved so you don't go to hell. No, no, no. Give your life to Jesus so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can walk in power and authority through this world. You can live life to the full. That sounds way better than get saved so you don't go to hell. That's what you're sharing with people. When you go out, that, it's life-changing. Romans 12, 1 through 2, I beseech you. Sometimes I like to go to the New King James. New King James does a little better of some of the translations. Someday I might just switch our whole church to New King James instead of the NLT. They're a little more word for word. Just be ready for that. So you got to learn how to speak in this old lingo here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I know, some of you guys are like, I hate this. But listen, I'm telling you, word-for-word translation of the Greek and the Hebrew, they do a better job. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies, each and every one of you, your living bodies, present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That means every day you lay your body on the altar and you sacrifice your desires for his. That's what it means to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. And not our flesh, not our soul, but to listen to the Spirit within us. Because when you're Spirit-filled, you can keep listening to your flesh and your soul, your mind, or you can learn to submit to His voice, the Holy Spirit, within you. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. It's reasonable. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. This is repentance. Repentance is a transformation. It's saying your life is going this way. It looks this way, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. You can be transformed. You can change your mind. You don't have to keep living the way you've been living. If you're sick of living in the darkness, if you're sick of living in secrecy, if you're sick of living in shame, there is freedom in the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? That's what he does. He transforms your life. As you learn to listen to his spirit, as you learn to submit and have your mind changed, transformed, washed clean by his word, it'll change everything. It'll change the way you lead your family. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your friendships. It'll change every aspect of your life. And it's gonna be for the better, not for the worse. So if you're sick of living in what you're living in, or if you're sick of seeing your friends living in what they're living in, have a conversation with them. Don't just run up to them and say, repent. No, 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 say, I I want your life to be transformed. That's what we're really saying here. Repentance has become a four-letter word in our culture. I love it. I still love to use it. But I'm realizing now we don't really understand the implication that they were talking about in this culture. It's a changing, a transforming of the mind. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
refreshing, that's what that means, refreshing, renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. To be transformed. That word, it means properly transformed after being with. When you are with Jesus, when you are in his presence, when you are with the Holy Spirit, there is a transformation that takes place. That's what people are finding. When you come and you gather whether it's here on Sunday or whether it's in Tuesday, when you're in the presence of him, you start to find transformation becomes easier. Hearing his voice becomes easier. Everything is easy when you're in his presence. When you're gathered, when two or more gathered, his presence is there. You walk around every day, wherever you are, you are a temple of the living spirit within you. He's there. Let him transform you. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. By the way, this was not just for that time. This is for all time. There are demons that oppress and afflict people. In fact, there might be somebody in here today. You feel like you are oppressed and afflicted and you don't understand. People have tried to drug you and medicate you and say, this will solve the problem. You got voices in your head. This will solve the problem. Let me tell you something. There are still demons that come, and if they have access to you, If they have an open door, an entry point into your life, they will oppress and afflict you all the days until you shut that access off, until you shut and close that door in the name of Jesus Christ. We have a ministry for that. It's called, it's a deliverance ministry. If you think that might be you today, I'm telling you, go to our website. You can fill out a little form and you can get on that list. We have people going through that weekly now. And people are sharing testimonies every week of the transformation and the difference the Holy Spirit is making in their life and the freedom they are finding through that. There is still oppression and affliction in the spiritual realm that happens, and we try to solve it in the physical, and it can't solve it. Sometimes we put a Band-Aid on it, and it doesn't really solve what is really at the root of what's going on in somebody's life. So if you know, maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe the Holy Spirit's putting somebody on your mind right now. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do this week. Go and share with them, hey, there's freedom that you can walk in. You don't have to walk under this anymore. What do we do when somebody's oppressed and afflicted? We do the same thing. Like if somebody is sick, if somebody's hurt, what do we do? We take them to the hospital, right? Oh, you're sick, you're hurt. We should take them to the hospital. But if somebody is oppressed and afflicted spiritually and mentally, oh, well, I mean, let's try counseling, let's try psychology, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But if at the root it is spiritual and it's a demon at work, we're taking them to the wrong place. We need to take them to Jesus. We need to take them to the Holy Spirit. He is the one that cures and heals and brings relief in that area. That's what Jesus did. That's what people did. They brought people to Jesus. And when he met them there, there was freedom. Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Herod, the same guy that killed John the Baptist. 
killed him, had him beheaded. His business manager's wife ended up saying, I want to follow Jesus. I know Jesus is related to John. I don't really care. I know, you know, my husband, he's, you know, working with Herod. I don't really care because I know who Jesus is. And I know that he's a healer. And I know that what he's doing, he's bringing freedom to people. And I want to walk in that freedom. She repented. She had her mind changed, transformed. Susanna and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. When you've been freed, guess what? When we tithe here, when we give to the church, it's not because, oh, it's religious or it's an obligation. No, no, it's because we've been freed and we want to invest in the ministry of freedom. We want to invest in the ministry of salvation. We want to invest in the ministry of Jesus. That's why we tithe. That's why we give. That's why we give cheerfully. That's what happened to these people. They were freed. They were healed. And they wanted to give because they wanted others to experience that. (coughs) When you give here, it's a ministry. Because guess what? There's other ministers that we want to raise up in this church that I know God has raised up and called. And so guess what? The more we give, the more we can appoint and raise up and assign and bring into the ministry. There's people within this church, within this house, that I know God has put a call on their life and said they're going to be a minister, they're going to be a pastor, they're going to be a teacher, they're going to, they're going to go and they're going to bring deliverance and freedom in the name of Jesus for people. But we can't do that until we start to give with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Until we start to listen to him. So once you've been freed, understand that. There's now an obligation on your life to say, I want to give so others can experience. Because that's what he said, go and make disciples. Invest in the kingdom because that's eternal. We spend so much time investing in the temporary, the temporal, that we forget he's given us a command to invest in the eternal. And so that's what we do here. We are investing in people finding freedom and salvation in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks, it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what his parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. If that's you right now, if you feel like you're looking and you don't see it, if you feel like you're hearing and you're not understanding, just stop for a moment and just pray, Holy Spirit, please open my eyes. Please open my ears. I want to hear and understand your word. I want to receive this seed. That's what God's word is. Every time we come and we gather, every time we open his word, there's seed that he wants to plant. There's seed that he wants to sow. Let it be received into fertile soil and not rocky soil, not seed with weeds. No other seed but fertile soil. That's what we want here in this place. We want fertile soil. And that's what I believe is happening. There is seed that's been planted and it's being received and God is bringing growth and there's amazing things happening under the surface. And God's starting to bring forth fruit. And he's starting to bring forth a harvest. 
Worship team, as we get ready to close here, I want to invite you up. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. That's not even saying, like, sometimes we get caught up in this. Are are they saved? Are they not saved? That's not even saying they're not saved. They just never grow into maturity for what Christ had for them. They miss out on the fullness that Christ had for them. That that word maturity, that's that's what we're talking about in Hebrews. He wants to build the church up to maturity, to completeness. (coughs) So they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. That's what we do. We come and we gather and we hear God's word and we cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest. That's what's going to happen. We've been talking these last few weeks. Last week, we had a bunch of seats set up in here from a conference that was the day before church. And some, some of our worship team, Andrew, myself, Lenny, Nate, we were looking at all these seats, and we, we just started prophesying. We started saying, God's going to fill this room. God is going to fill this room. And then he's going to give us a home, because that's what he's done. Every place we've gone, he's filled it. When we started out at Elmwood Park, there was plenty of room. That last time we were at Elmwood Park, some of you, you know this, you remember this, it wasn't that long ago, you kind of looked around and you're like, we don't really fit in the grotto anymore. We started meeting in this uh, wedding venue called a View on State. And we had plenty of room in the beginning. You know, you had elbow room, you could kind of look around, you kind of saw like, oh, this is comfy, this is nice. By the time Easter rolled around, you started to realize you were looking around that room and you saw it kept filling up week after week in the spring. Because that's what God wants. God wants to fill his house. Because every seat filled is one seat that's not going to be filled in hell. Do you understand that? He wants to sow seed into his kingdom. And he wants to steal from the enemy. He wants to steal every person that the enemy wants with him for eternity. No, 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 that's what we're doing. We are robbing the gates of hell. That's the great commission. That's what we've been tasked with, to go and rob the gates of hell, to rob his kingdom and leave him with nothing. But sometimes we're so scared. We get so stuck on what people are going to say or what people are going to think that we might, we might hurt the kingdom more than help the kingdom. I don't know the right words to say. I don't know what to do. I'm not really sure. I'm not equipped for this. Let me tell you something. If you get spirit filled, if you get baptized in his presence, guess what? He's going to take care of you. He's going to give you the words. 
When the moment comes, he's going to give you the words and you can walk in confidence knowing I listened to his voice. I did what he told me to do. I said what he told me to do. Learn to listen and trust him. I'm telling you, he's going to fill this house. And then guess what he's going to do? He's going to give us a new house to fill. That's what he does every time. Every time he fills a house, he says, you need more room? You need more space? And that's what we've been looking around these past couple months. We've kind of been looking around this space and saying, this is too big, God. We can't fill this space. And he's saying, this is nothing for me. This is nothing. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, thousands came. Thousands came and they repented. They had their minds transformed and they turned to Jesus. They turned to the way. That's what's gonna happen as his people are spirit-filled. As we turn to him, as we're transformed and renewed by him, he's gonna do things that we thought were impossible. And so we get so caught up thinking about all the times and all the ways that we could fail or we could mess this up. Let me just free you up from that. Because I, I read this passage this week and it hit me. There's four soils. And there's one soil where the seed is received. When you share God's word, when you share the power and life transformation that takes place, when you share his seed, his word in people's lives, there's one soil that's gonna take every time, one out of four. It's like baseball. You're gonna fail 75% of the time in baseball. The best players, they fail 70% of the time. But 30% of the time, they get a hit. 30% of the time, they get a home run. 30% of the time, they get a double or whatever it is. That's what he's telling you right here. Failure is okay. It's normal. There's 75% of the time that you're going to fail, but guess what? 25% of the time, that seed that you plant, it's going to take, and I'm going to bring growth. That should free you up today. Receive that today. If you go and tell four people about Jesus this week, one of them is going to say yes. But you're so focused on the three that are going to say no that you don't even tell the four. You don't do it. I don't do it. This week we're focusing on the one. We're going to tell four people this week about what Jesus has done in our life. We're going to tell four people about how he's transformed us, about how he's freed us, about he, how he's moving and working in our lives. We're going to share our testimony this week with four people and don't worry about the three that say no because one of them is going to say yes because one of them that seed is going to get planted and it's going to be there's going to be growth and a harvest that comes from it and there's going to be fruit that only comes from God free yourself up this week and tell yourself I can't wait for three people to tell me no because the next one is going to say yes that's freedom right come on church Get with me here. Stand up, church. Stand up. We got to get active here. We've been sitting too long. We got to get up and worship. We're going to get up and have a time of worship. There's a fear in us, and it comes from the enemy. There's There's a spirit of fear and rejection that still has a hold of us. Would you just hold your hands out? Would you pray with me really quick? Father, we just bind the spirit of fear and rejection in this place. We know that is not your Holy Spirit. Because we know what your word says. 
God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Right now, I pray that over us as a church, Lord. I pray that we would be a church filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would listen to you this week, that we would walk in power, love, and self-discipline, that we would not be scared of the no, but we'd be excited for the yes. God, bring it today. In everything, let us walk in your power. Father, I pray for a harvest that will bring glory to you, that no man can take credit. No man can say, oh, we we practice good church growth strategies. We implemented all these different things. No, no, no. People are going to look what happens here and say, those guys are a mess. They don't know what they're doing compared to the rest of the world when it comes to strategy, but they are listening to the Holy Spirit. This can only be a move from Him. That's what we want to see, Lord. We want to see your Holy Spirit. We want to see Jesus get all the glory. And all God's people said, amen. Messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. man, Stephen, he wasn't one of the apostles, he wasn't one of the prophets, he wasn't one of the preachers or teachers. He was a man appointed to take care of the food for the early church. They picked seven men and they laid hands on them and they prayed for them. They prayed that they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, if you have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can come forward during communion, you can come forward during the last song of worship, you can ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can receive His presence living within you. But Stephen, he had the Holy Spirit in him. It says he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was appointed to take care of the food. But God, because he was faithful in the little, he positioned him for something even greater. And he was brought before these religious teachers And he began to speak and teach in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it says the Holy Spirit gives you words, Stephen is a testimony to that. The Holy Spirit gave him words. And he began to preach and teach to these religious people, to these people that wanted nothing to do with God, wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Acts 7, 51 through 60, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders, they were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, You don't have to be a teacher or preacher. You can just manage the food. You can just be a greeter. You can just, you can be coffee bar. You can just be a waiter. I don't care what it is. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead within you. That's who Stephen was. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. He was about to be killed. Most of us, the worst we fear is just to be told no. Maybe we'll get laughed at. Maybe we'll get scoffed. He was about to be killed for his faith. 
Stephen full of the Holy Spirit gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears. They didn't want to hear the word of God. They didn't want that seed planted in them. There's some people, they're going to put their hands over their ears when you begin to sow the seed of God's word into their lives. But you don't know who else might be listening. They, re- they rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. With that, he died. They rushed and they killed him that day. But if you know who Saul is, then you know that he became Paul. There was a seed sown that day that brought an incredible harvest. The ministry of Paul, his work as a missionary, it's unmatched. The churches and the places he went and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, the freedom that was brought. You don't know, when you go sow and seed this week, you don't know who's going to hear, you don't know what's going to be received, and you don't know what kind of harvest that might come. Stephen, he didn't know that there was a young man named Saul standing there that day that would later become the greatest missionary to ever live and walk on this earth. Stop worrying about the three and start focusing on the one that's going to say yes.